Well, it is, like I said, our last message in the Whisper series. And if you've miss, missed any of our messages, I, I, I encourage you to listen to the podcast. I'm reading the book at the moment. I'm reading it online. I like that because I can highlight it and then I can go back and have a look. And we're also doing Whisper in groups. If you're not in a group, you can join a group. You can go out into the foyer after the service and ask someone and they can find a group for you. The great thing about doing it in a group, you get to practice with just a small group of people. If I got you to practice here and you hadn't done it before, that could be a little bit awkward. But when you're in a little group and you're all practicing together, it's all good, isn't it? It's great, yeah. So there are four things about hearing God's voice, and we have been saying this about uh, before every service. The aim of hearing his voice is relationship. He wants to know you. He wants to have intimacy with you. Secondly, the tone of his voice is always loving. Even if it is tough love, it's loving. He wants the best for you. The third thing, if you want to hear from him, you need to listen to everything he says. You cannot have selective hearing. Do you know what that is? Just choosing what you want to hear and not what you want to hear. Like, you can't cherry pick like, oh, all the good things God's going to do for me, and then not the correction. So you've got to listen to all the things. And then the fourth thing is to hear from him, you need to lean in and tune in, which means turning down things that are competing noises. It might be social media or it might be Netflix. Not Netflix for Christians, but Netflix. It might, it might, what, I don't know what it is for you, but sometimes it's just good just to get away from the noise. It might be go down the beach. I hear from God down the beach. I can sit there for a little while listening to the waves, and seriously, I start hearing from God. There are just times where you get out of the space that you're in and go and find somewhere and meet God. So that, that's it. You can hear from him. So Mark Batterson, in his book, he talks about seven languages of God. They're not exhaustive. There's more than seven languages, I think. Could be. I, think, I can think of some more. But we're looking at seven. So we've looked at uh, scripture, which is the key of keys. All of those languages are filtered through scripture. We've done desires, doors, dreams, people. And tonight, we're doing pain and prompting. I know you're just all excited to hear about the pain, aren't you? Yes, you are. I know you are. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I was making myself a cup of tea because I don't drink coffee, in case you don't know that. I don't drink coffee, but I was making a cup of tea and I went to get a tea bag. What? Is... Look at that. Heckling from the crowd about my drinking tea. Anyway, I went to get a tea bag and unfortunately, the kettle was boiling and the steam burnt my arm. I don't know if you can see that. That was two weeks ago. Now, that wasn't real smart, right? There was, there was real, that was pain. Now, was that pain the devil? No. <laughs> was that pain God? No. That pain was self-inflicted. It wasn't either of those. I did it to myself. It, and it, I know that because it almost happened... Uh, a little bit of time before, and I thought to myself, I must move the tea bags. <laughs> but I did not. <laughs> yes, they're moved now. I know you're thinking, did you move them now? Yes, I've moved them now. But you know, without pain, we can repeatedly uh, re-injure ourselves in the same ways. Without pain, we can ignore problems that can hurt us. 
And sometimes pain is a consequence of the way we are doing life. Uh, there were, was a time when I used to spend more money than I earned for quite a long period. And then I ended up in financial pain, massive debt. If you don't spend time on your relationships, you can have relational pain. We can wrestle with shameful secrets, debilitating fears and bitter memories. So you can have emotional pain. Sometimes pain is caused from other people. Sometimes pain comes from the devil, who is the author of pain. However, God has given authority to us over every power of the devil, over everything, every power of the enemy. So the oldest book in the Bible, I don't know, do you know what the oldest book in the Bible is? Job, correct. Should go to Bible college, Jeremy. Uh, he actually oversees Bible college, that's what I'm saying. Like, so the oldest uh, book in the Bible is Job, and Job encountered pain and suffering, if you've ever read that. I used to dodge that, but I've read it a few times now. You know, Job, he lost his family in a catastrophe. He lost his wealth and he lost his health. But worst of all, he lost his hope. He was a defeated man, and eventually he asked God to end his life. But even in the most horrendous circumstances, he had a thread of joy, even in the worst thing. I mean, he, when I say health, he was like covered in boils. Ooh, like that was just awful. It just Can you imagine how uncomfortable that was? In Job 6.10, it says, I would still have this consolation, my joy and unrelenting pain, that I had not denied the words of the Holy One. Isn't that crazy? I mean, Job, with all that, he lost his family, he lost his wife, he lost his wealth. He's sick as anything with all these boils and his friends. Anyway, you'll have to read the story about his friends. But, but he, all these things were happening, but he found joy in that he had not denied the words of the Holy One. He hadn't denied the Word of God. In the midst of tough times, we may feel that as if God has turned his back on us. I mean, I've felt that before. So what do we usually do when that happens? We turn our backs on him. We can do that. But that's when we need to lean in and to lean on him. And that's what Job did. He didn't cut off God. He didn't stop listening to him. And God endured that. I mean, Job endured that, but God, he blessed Job in the latter part of his life. He restored to Job double of everything that he had lost. So that's what happens when we can hold on. We can cling on to the word of God. And nothing, I was thinking about this, like nothing will drop parents to their knees like a sick child. Like my son, years ago, before I was even following God, he uh, got a RSV virus, which affects your respiratory system, and it can cause death. It's a high risk for babies under 12 months, and he was nine months old at the time. He was quarantined in hospital. He was an oxygen, on an oxygen tank. He was wired. He had monitors all over him. And when I saw him, I just broke down. I, I felt so hopeless. You know, when it's not you and there's just nothing you can do, you can just feel so hopeless. I felt pain. I felt pain. And even though I didn't believe uh, or was following God, I believed about him, it dropped me to my knees. I thought, I've got to pray. 
I don't know what I don't know what I'm going to say, but I've got to pray. I got on my knees and I said a very simple prayer. And my grandfather, who was a minister, I just thought, well, you know what, God, you don't know me, uh, but you know my grandfather. And I saw the things that you did in his life, so I'm asking you, heal my son. Heal my son. Help him. And in my pain, I needed something that no person could give me. I needed hope. I needed something to know. I needed something supernatural to know that my son was going to live. So in five days, he went from being in an oxygen tank to being at home. It was phenomenal. I mean, it was miraculous. See, in my pain, God used my pain to reveal himself to me. See, pain is not pleasant. I don't know yet. I don't want to know if you think it is. All right, but, but C.S. Lewis said, God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts in our pain. And that's what can happen. When somebody in our family, someone dear to us, someone close to us, gets sick or is in pain themselves, whether it's emotional pain, financial pain, whatever pain it is, we feel the pain, don't we? we like it's, 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 and that's when we need God. Joseph in the Bible, he shared a dream with his brothers, which made them hate him. Uh, they sold him into slavery. Then he got uh, wrongfully accused of rape and ended up in prison. So he had zero emotional intelligence as a teenager, Joseph. But 13 years of suffering as a slave and a prisoner earned him a degree in empathy. And it was one act of empathy when he noticed one of his fellow prison mates was sad that he interpreted their dreams. And that eventually led to him saving two nations. This is what happens. When, when you feel pain, you are more compassionate to other people who go through the same pain. Is that true? Yes, it is. So when we suffer, we are more we've got more compassion for other people. See, pain is a language that cannot be ignored. This is in Mark Batterson's book. You can leave the Bible on your bedside table. You can ignore all of those other languages, desires, doors, dreams, promptings, and people, but you cannot ignore pain. Nothing gets our full attention like pain. It reveals where we need to heal, where we need to grow, and it refocuses priorities like nothing else. When my son was sick, I didn't care about anything else. I didn't care about my job. I didn't care about my car. I didn't care about the saving for a house that I was doing. I couldn't care less because it becomes a priority, the things that are most important in your life. And pain can do that to you. Nothing really matters. It makes you put priorities in place. So it can be a gift from God that he uses for his glory and our good. He uses it to get us out of addictive behaviors. He uses it to get us out of adverse situations. He uses it to get us out of abusive relationships. Pain makes us take note and get out. When Sienna talked about her being bullied at school, there is, it's horrible. And I'm sure there are some people in this room that have been bullied at school. The pain, if you were physically beaten, that lasts for a little while. But the emotional pain lasts for a long, long time unless you deal with it. So there's pain from all sorts of places. 
Uh, if you want to know uh, where God will use you, you need to look no further than your pain. We help others in places where we've been hurt. Sienna has been doing two years of internship and she's just got a heart for people to see them know who they are because she's knowing what it's like to not have an identity. She talked about herself being lost or feeling insecure, but she just loves on people. She wants them to know who they are. That's what happens. If our trials become our platform to help other people and our weaknesses is actually our strength because that's where God's power is made perfect in our weakness. So in Hebrews 12, 11, it says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace and those for those who have been trained by it. So what do, uh, what do you do when you are actually in pain? The first thing is, don't pretend that it doesn't exist. Don't ignore or deny it. It's actually okay to not be okay. The first step is actually admitting it. It starts the healing process. When we fail to grieve, wounds remain open. Grieving is part of the healing process. And we ask for help. We can ask our friends. We can ask our group to pray for us. We might need to ask for professional help. Whatever it is, we ask for help. So that's the first thing. Don't pretend that it doesn't exist. The second thing is to fight and contend. When you get a diagnosis that is difficult or a dream turns into a nightmare, you have choices to make. You can stand down or you can stand on the promises of God. When God's given you a promise, you can stand on that. You can contend for what you believe, even though it's harder than conceding for what you're afraid of. So that's our thing. Don't pretend that pain doesn't exist. Fight and contend. And the other thing is go deeper into God. It makes us rely on God. In Psalm 34, 18, it says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. God loves the brokenhearted. He brings comfort. He brings peace. And the last thing on that, what do you do is you ask yourself, is there something God is trying to show me? Is there something going on, God? Do you want to tell me something? Do I need to change a habit? Do I need to change direction? Do I need to change and take some action? What is it when there's pain? So that's pain. That was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. Now we're on to prompting. <laughs> but isn't that great? I, 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 didn't even want to, I didn't even want to hear about the pain thing. And then I read the book. I thought, this is really good. I've never thought about it like that. But prompting, that's the other one we're doing now. When we invite God into our hearts, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives on the inside of us, and it can prompt us. That happened just a minute ago. I just got prompted. I saw hope while I was sitting over there. Next minute, boing, boing, boing. That's how it starts. Just a prompting. I got drawn to her. It was just that kind of thing. When Olivia, uh, when we were celebrating her, I just saw the olive tree. I, I, there's a thing, I get drawn to that. So a prompting, it actually draws us. It could be a fleeting thought. And that's what happened. It can be a fleeting thought. It could be a nudge, an impression, a surge of adrenaline, goosebumps. Sometimes I get goosebumps, not a lot, but goosebumps are actually an involuntary uh, reaction to a strong emotion. 
So it's not something that I can't control, but every now and again, something will happen, or I read a scripture, or something will happen, and I just get the goosebumps. Like, whoa, what's going on with that? Because that is a prompting that I need to take note of whatever that is. So it might be that. It might be goosebumps. It's like the Holy Spirit giving you a bit of an elbow. Like, give your person, like, give your neighbor a little bit of a nudge. Come on. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at this guy. Oh, I'm feeling prompted right now, Michael. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was driving home uh, one time and I turned the corner. So in this corner, so I wasn't going very fast and it's, a 40, it's only 40 Ks in this area anyway. So I just turned the corner and I heard two words. Now, I didn't hear them audibly, but I heard them inside me. And those two words were slow down. I wasn't even going that fast. Now, I could have sat there and thought, I'm not even going that fast, but I, <laughs> but I didn't. I slowed down. And what happened in the next five seconds is a kid on a bike who was on the other side of the road decided to cross over to this side of the road right in front of my car. I slammed the brakes on. I was only going maybe not even 10 Ks, but I slammed the brakes on and just missed him. And had I been going any faster... I would have hit him. I would, he would have been hurt. That's just not cool. But I had this prompting, slow down. Phew. I mean, I was so relieved. I was so grateful. I, the rest of the way home, I was just, thank you, Jesus. I was just so grateful that God had prompted me. But not only that, I was so grateful that I actually did it. This is what can happen when you get the prompting of God. You can just forget about it or you can do something about it. It's a good idea to do something about it, especially in that situation. I, that could have just been so different, but it wasn't. But that's because of the prompting of God. God is good. He wants to take care of us. He wants to look after us. He wants to warn us. God is in the business of strategically positioning us in the right place at the right time, but we don't always recognize it. I have... I don't always recognize it. I've missed it many, many, many times. It takes practice. But if you don't practice, you just don't hear it. You know, but discerning the voice of God requires like an internal clock. And it requires to perceive that it is a prompting, number one. And then it's our reaction time to those promptings that leads to supernatural synchronicities. Oh, that's an awesome word, isn't it? But it is. It's when things come together being in the right place, at the right time, with the right people. Now, every one of you has had this happen. Whether you actually believe it or not, I'm, if you really think about it, there has been times when you've been in the right place, at the right time, with the right people. Tonight, it, like, Olivia is in the right place, at the right time. God wanted to speak to her. That's how things can happen. He, he is a good God. In Isaiah 30, verse 21, it says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Isn't that cool? I love that. See, God's promptings can, firstly, bring things or people to remembrance. I was at Woolies, and I was just doing my shopping minding my own business. And then I thought of a person that I hadn't seen for years. And I thought, oh, am I supposed to contact them? 
because they just came. I wasn't thinking about them. Boom, it's a prompting. I went around to the, the next aisle, and there they were. Now, God was prompting me, and I'm thinking, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to pray for them? Am I supposed to invite them to church? So on my way down, I'm being very smooth on the outside. But I'm like, what, am I praying? What am I doing? What am I doing? So, so I get there, and then I just go, hello, how are you? <laughs> Haven't seen you for ages. And that's what happens. I'm not, like, I'm not starting like, in the name of Jesus. No, I'm not doing that. I don't, because I don't know what I'm meant to be doing, but I know that God has sent me. I know that God has prompted me. I know that God has got something for that person. I still don't know what, but it's okay. I'm, I'm in the moment. I'm just living it because I know if God sh- gave, told me who it was, he's going to tell me what to do. We need to trust God. He knows what's going on. So anyway, I get there and then Something happens, and she just starts bawling her eyes out. I'm like, oh, my goodness. And there was a sickness in the family. So I got to pray for her in Woolies. But this is what happens. God wants to bring peace. Did she know God? No. Did I invite her to church? No, I didn't. It wasn't the right time for that. God gives us promptings. When Sienna was sharing her story before, I feel like there was promptings of people in this room thinking, do you know what? I felt lost. I feel insecure. I've had trouble with my identity. And as she was sharing, I felt like there's a couple of people here, at least, who were saying, if God can do it for her, he can do it for me. You know, very soon I'm going to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart. God does amazing things. He can prompt us to pray. He can prompt us to give. He can prompt us to serve. And how do we hear the prompting from God? Firstly, we have a relationship with him. We read the Bible. We pray. We worship. We pray in tongues. We fast. There are so many things. All of those things cause me to hear God when I'm engaged. But even when I'm not, he can speak to me. But I just need to be listening, switched on all the time to hear his voice. Our monthly verse has been John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I love this verse. I've loved it for a long, long, long time. I want to be a follower of God. I want to hear his voice. I want to follow him. He knows me, and he knows me. He knows you. That's the great thing about it, relationship. It's just like uh, if you have children or if you haven't, a dog even. If you're out at the park and all the do- dogs are barking, you know your dogs bark, don't you? Well, I hope so, do you? <laughs> do you know your dogs bark? Your children, if they're playing somewhere in the park and you hear them laughing, you know your kids laugh. And the reason you know that is because you have a relationship with them. It's the same with God. The more you come to know him, the more you hear his voice, the clearer it is, the more you know that he's speaking to you. God is so good. He loves you, and he just loves that you listen to him. I just want to pray for some people. Just close your eyes a moment. I thank you, Father, that you are here. I thank you, Lord. I just had a picture of, before I came tonight, 
of a healing balm being poured out over everyone here to soothe. Just like how my arm got burnt and I put uh, some ointment on it, I just see the soothing of God's hand upon each person. If you're in any kind of pain here tonight, whether it's emotional, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, whether it's relational, whatever it is, I just want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you that you see every hand raised and you love them. Right now, Lord, that you pour out your spirit upon them. I just see that oil running down from the top of your head, down your body to the soles of your feet. I thank you, Lord, that you're with them, that you know the answer. And even in this moment, Father, you're speaking to them. What is it? Do they need to change direction? Do they need to take action? I thank you, Lord, that you are speaking. Thank you, Father. Shamarakara bokoro. Thank you, Jesus. Shoborakara ke. Shamamamama. Shoborakara be. Shimamamama.